Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from Neo Technology and here we are again recording another uh, Grafistania podcast episode and today I'm joined by uh, Amanda Schaefer from Cisco and you're based in Seattle, right Amanda? That's correct. Hey, well our listeners may not know you yet, even though you've participated in uh, the GraphGist challenge uh, last winter, so why don't you introduce yourself uh, Amanda? Sure. Um, so I am the technical lead for an analytics team in Cisco, and my group focuses on um, maintenance contract renewals and kind of optimizing the quoting workflow and optimizing customer success. So we look a lot at a lot of metrics related to opportunity and bookings um, and quoting pathways and things like that. Wow, that sounds really uh Interesting. And you know that Cisco is already uh, an E4J user, so maybe someday you get to use it professionally there as well. (laughs) I hope so. I'm working on a couple of use cases for that. Really cool. But what I've read from your um, work so far, you've been using E4J for some of your personal projects, right? I have, yeah. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, So I started out um, going to some theater productions around Seattle and noticed that I recognized a lot of the actors from, you know, different plays in different theater companies. And I got interested in graphing that because that's such such a perfect kind of classic graph problem, um, mapping people and social networks. And so I was interested in that in the theater space. Um, So for the Graph Just Challenge last winter, I wanted to take a look at that and ended up focusing on the Seattle Shakespeare Company, mostly because their data was kind of the best available of the local theater company. So I had to do the least data engineering for that and could focus on the analysis a little bit more. Um, So I, I took a look at their past productions and kind of mashed that up with all of the available Shakespeare plays and took a look at things like, you know, production year and comedies versus tragedies and their kind of normal seasons versus the things they take out to the parks. Um, it just had a lot of fun exploring the data with Neo4j. Did you learn anything uh, interesting, uh, you know, things that you didn't know before? Um, I I definitely learned that the uh, the most popular plays and the most successful ones tend to be the things that they take to the parks, which was interesting. Um, and I found that there were only eight plays of Shakespeare's that the Seattle Shakespeare Company hasn't produced. So oh, nice. they've done a, a pretty comprehensive job. So When you say take it to the park, what does that mean? I mean, I'm not familiar with that. Um, so there's a, a summer kind of Shakespeare in the Park program um, where they go out to different parks around the city and um, tour even around... Uh, around Washington State and do free productions in parks around the summer. Now you're just trying to get me to move, you know, from Seattle, <laughs> right? That's, uh... Seattle, it's a fantastic place to visit in the summer. I highly recommend it. Very, very good. And you told me a little bit about some other projects that you were um, had been working on as well, you know, like the movie festival. Tell us about that, maybe. Yes. Um, so Seattle has an international film festival that takes place in May and June. And so this year I had a, a festival pass, which means that I could see any movie, um, essentially, that was running during the festival. But there are about 500 movies to see in about three and a half weeks. And so figuring out which movies to see is a big challenge. So I watched all of the trailers and rated the movies according to my interests. Um, And then I loaded the schedules, the theaters, the transit time between theaters, and my ratings, um, and the movies all into Neo4j. And using a Python program, I created kind of my optimal schedule for for the International Film Festival. And I ran 100 simulations and took a look at the top kind of 10 to 20 schedules and used that as my basis for 
deciding which movies to go see. Sweet, that sounds really great. It reminds me a little bit of the the use case that we talked about on this podcast a couple of episodes back about the date night movies. I don't know if you've you've heard that episode. Uh, it, it's uh, datenightmovies.com. You'll you'll like it if you're a movie buff. <laughs> very cool. I'll have to take a look at that. <laughs> yeah, very good. So 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 why why graphs, Amanda? You know why did you get into graphs and and you know what's so cool about them for you? Um, well, I actually got interested in graphs, um, looking at the master data management use case, because as part of our quote, quoting workflows, we have a lot of places where a single kind of parent company will have a bunch of different subsidiaries or a bunch of different field locations. And we want to be able to understand, you know, which of these contracts really belong to the same company and things like that. Um, so I took a hands-on um, workshop with Nicole White from Neo4j actually at um, NoSQL Now in 2015. And that was my official kind of hands-on introduction when I was um, exploring that master data management use case. And I just kind of got hooked after that workshop. It was so much fun um, and so easy and intuitive to kind of play around with um, with the graph model, especially in Neo4j. And so um, from there, it just sort of took off and you know, they say once you get it, everything is a graph. And I think that's really true. I'm always kind of thinking about how can I make this into, you know, a fun Neo4j project. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, right? I mean, I was, on a, I was actually jogging yesterday and all of a sudden there's a, my podcast is talking about graphs. It's, it, was <laughs> really, it was really, really uh, peculiar. All right. Well, um, so the model, that's what, what, what you find very interesting, the ease of use. You know, is there anything particular that you find most appealing? Any um, I, I love the ease of use. For me, I'm just kind of always thinking about, you know, the intersection of business and technology or the intersection of kind of modeling real world things and technology. So the kind of modeling events like I did for the film festival is very interesting to me. Like the use case, I was thinking about um, Data Day Seattle, a local conference that I attended a couple of days ago and thinking about, well, conference management software and figuring out, you know, combining kind of the, the session scheduling with a recommendation engine, which I think are both things that Neo4j does really well. And it seems like you could build a really powerful conference scheduler um, application based on that. So attendees could, you know, make it social and recommend um, sessions for each other and things like that. And so just kind of always thinking about the, the ways that things are connected um, and how to just apply these classic kind of graph problems to a lot of situations in the real world. Mm, totally. Well, you know, at Graph Connect, we always have a scheduled graph. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but in the Graph Connect conference that we host every uh, six months, uh, upcoming uh, October in San Francisco as well, we'll have a scheduled graph as well. So maybe maybe that's the starting point for you. <laughs> that's great. I have actually recently purchased tickets to the event in San Francisco, so I'm really looking forward to it. Fantastic. We'll see each other there for sure then. So what's the... what? Other than Graph Connect, what does the future look like, uh, Amanda? You know, where, where do you think this is going for you personally, for the industry? You know, what, what's um, what's it, what's in store? Do you think? Um, for me, I think the the really interesting next step um, and the hurdle that that I need to overcome to use it professionally is just really making. Um, making kind of the, the self-serve analytics part and getting kind of graph understanding out to, 
you know, the typical data analysts on my team and the people that would use this analysis day to day in their business and kind of helping them understand these cases and understand the graphic analysis and things like that. And I think making it really accessible to just a lot more people around the organization um, is kind of one of one of the biggest challenges that I'm looking at. And so, you know, I know in Neo4j3, there's the um, the ability to share the graph style sheets that you've set up in the cloud and so that everyone can see exactly what you're seeing on the screen and it's much more easy um, to, to share those around the organization. And so things like that I'm really excited about because it's like, you know, at least in my organization, like I know that this is a very cool thing and there are a lot of use cases for it, but I need to take that out and empower other people to figure out how to take advantage of it. That's um, totally so that's kind of what I'm really looking forward to. Fantastic. I think that's, um, that's something that we'll see many more people uh, working on in the next couple of years. So, um, you know, for us as well as a, as, a, as a company, you know, in this industry, it's really important that we make that work. Cool, Amanda, you know that we want to keep these, these podcasts fairly short, so um, we'll put some links maybe to your GraphGist and the rest of your work uh, on, the, on the transcription page, if that's okay. Uh, for now, I'm just going to thank you so much for coming online and uh, having a chat with me. And uh, okay. I, I look forward to meeting you at GraphConnect. Thanks, Rick. I had a lot of fun on the podcast this morning. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.